Welcome, Friendship Fam. Joining us at Friendship Studios is Matt Clausen and Joel Farber. We're continuing to do a deep dive into 1 John. Jump into Chapter 3 with us and into a new segment called Know Your Staff. I'm Kenny White, inviting you to grab some coffee, buckle up, and enjoy the ride on this week's episode of your Friendship Church Podcast. Hey church fam, Joel here. On August 29th, both the Prior Lake and Shakopee campuses will be joining as one church to worship together. That day, we'll have a 9 a.m. and 1045 service at the Shakopee campus only. We'll worship together, and pastors Matt and Kenny will be sharing more about the vision and future at Friendship Church. So join us at 9 a.m. and 1045 at the Shakopee campus for Vision Sunday as we worship together as one church. Welcome, Friendship Fam. Glad to have you join us. We're doing a new segment called Know Your Staff, and this is an opportunity for us to just kind of give you more information about the staff at Friendship Church and who they are and and also to have a little bit of fun while we do it. So that is our goal. And with that in mind, Matt and Joel, are you ready? I'm going to give you some questions and then you try to guess who it is. Nice. Can you give us like a, a your good old like TV host show, name that TV title? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a voice or what do you yeah. say? Yeah. Bring us in. Okay. Thanks for joining us on Know Your Staff. Matt and Joel are with us here today from Minnesota. (laughs) We're glad to have you here. Anything that we should know about you real quick, Joel? Thanks for having us. Great. That's wonderful. How about you, Matt? (laughs) I have my coffee. I'm buckled up, and I'm going to enjoy this ride. (laughs) You got a seatbelt? Perfect. All right. Well, with that in mind, fellers, let's jump right in. There are two staff members who have a connection at uh, a school that is is no longer around. The name of the school is Pillsbury Bible College. Uh, One of them grew up on the campus, and the other one attended the school. Do you know who those staff people are? And if so, who? Ding. Yes, Joel, I see your hand. Um, Anna Mayer. That is incorrect. Or Meyer. Shoot, shoot. Anna Meyer. You you should at least know the names of the staff people that you work with. Bing. Do you have an answer? <laughs> Bing. Bing. <laughs> oh, my. So um, I was going to do like three or four of these, but I've decided maybe we'll do two. I wish this was a video. <laughs> Art Hansen attended Pillsbury, but he has since repented. <laughs> yes, he did attend. And the second staff person, who is no shorter than 6'2". Sam Dahl. No tall. <laughs> that is incorrect. No taller than 7'3". Mm. He's in that range. Who can it be now? Who can it be now? Go ahead, Joel. Ding. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with a... Formerly Mr. Currently Pastor Nathan Miller. That is correct. Correct Amundo. Correct Amundo. Who are staff people who have 
connections at Bethel. In other words, who attended Bethel University and or seminary. Oh. There's quite a few, I think. Are there really? Ding. Yes. Master Pat. Yes. Master Pat. <laughs> Master <laughs> Matt. What is That's what great. World? Who else? He also is no shorter than six foot two and no taller than seven foot three. That, that is not true, oh. but I appreciate it. Oh, you're talking about Matt? Yes. Or is that a clue? I guess when I have lift shoes on, I make it past six <laughs> two, but... That, that was a clue. clue. That oh, was a clue. Okay, ding. Yeah. Uh, formerly Mr., currently Pastor Nathan Miller. Yes, there you go. That's going to stick, guys. Although, I like that. Matt, I feel like in in lift shoes or stilettos, maybe you could be that tall. Maybe. <sighs> These boots are made for... All right. Here, my... Give us another. This is... this is Here's your last one. Uh, also, the newest staff member... <gasps> Her husband consistently comes up to Matt and myself and quotes the movie Airplane before we preach as encouragement. And I just did air quotes for encouragement. Mm. Can you name that staff person? And this is more for you, Joel. I don't know if I'm going to be able to start off on the right foot. Oh. But I'm going to go out on a limb here. A foot limb. Uh Uh-huh. And am I saying the man's name or the woman's name? The woman's name. The staff person. Let's get to know your staff person, not the staff person's <laughs> spouse. Uh, but Mike is his name. I'm going to go with uh, Executive Director Tracy Hatch. That is <laughs> incorrect. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Wow. Okay, just say it, Matt. So is it, is it <laughs> Rachel? It is Rachel Foote. That is correct. Oh, I was correct. Tracy starts Bing. next week. Oh, yeah. Rachel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bing. And, yeah, okay. Well, that's a segment called Get to Know Your Staff that I don't know if we'll do it again or not. But, uh, uh, it did give us a chance to say Bing. <laughs> Bing. <laughs> it did. With that in mind, let's go ahead and jump into First John chapter three. This is a a, a passage that I I especially it's been one of those that I, I go back to regularly that that ministers to my heart and soul in a special way. And you know, there are those passages that through certain seasons in your life that God uses, and so you you tend to gravitate towards them. This would be one of those. Uh, for me, in a season where I, I think I, I especially felt lonely and isolated in ministry uh, early on, and um, this passage just jumped out at me in a in a pretty special way. But we're going to go ahead and go through First John chapter three verses one through ten, and I recognize there are a lot there. We're we're going to focus the majority of our attention in verse one and kind of go from there, guys. So. Uh, Joel, if you have that passage, would you yes. go ahead and read it? Sounds good. First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. 
Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate that. You know, again, a reminder of context that uh, the the church is starting to struggle because there there are new teachings that are coming in, and those new teachings are taking away from what we would now consider Orthodox Christianity, but telling them that you know there is a secret knowledge that they need to that they need to have to really understand, and they're they're these simpletons, these simple ones, and they they don't belong. It was a, a switch also on, on the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was just a man, that the Christ Spirit came down on him at baptism and left him just before the cross in the garden. And this teaching is, is starting to confuse people. It's starting to make them wonder if they belong. It's not consistent with what they had been hearing. And there's a lot of confusion. And so... In this chapter, chapter 3, where it begins, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, is, I think, significant in that it's centering the believers of the church back to, like, this is what it's about. Here's, you belong. You have a place. You, uh, you belong here. Even the phrase is, is unique. You know, a, another way of, of saying it would be, behold what kind of foreign love is this? Like, this is not a common kind of thing. This isn't something that you consistently see in the Roman Empire of this day. I mean, when, when we're talking about love, there are a variety that, that were shown uh, very commonly, uh, erotic kind of love, a, a friendly kind of love, a parental type of love. Th- those were all common sorts of of love, but but this uh, agape, this non-transactional kind of love, this kind of love that you don't have to earn, but that is given because it's born out of or comes from the place of love, is completely foreign. It it's not transactional; it's foreign. And in that love, adopt somebody as a child, and we can get into the significance of being a child of someone uh, in just a moment. But I, I again. Just love how this chapter just comes right out at us and, and jumps into the lap of those believers are going, where do I fit in? Who am I? And the chapter continues on with the same attitude, and we'll get into that in a moment. Hmm. What are some of your initial 
initial thoughts and responses to verse one. Go ahead, Joel. Kind of in, re- in response to that and your commentary, the, the longer I've been a parent, the better I have been able to understand what it means to be a child. Because mm-hmm. I now have the full vantage point of, of being both. So mm-hmm. I want to share that. Yeah, no, that's good. Verse one teaches astounding truth that leads me to a place of emotional fullness. That it's one of those verses that feels very much like God is hugging us Mm -hmm. as he says it, right? And I love your point, Kenny. Uh, What kind of love, what you started down the road on there is that the word for what kind of is a word for for foreign. It was often used of a ship that came into port that had an Mm -hmm. unidentified country of origin. And so the idea here is what, what kind of otherworldly love yes is going on here in the gospel yeah. right and it's it's so astounding that he after talking about it says no and and so we are like you may not believe it like right. this is so otherworldly this love that we have experienced and this adoption that we have been brought into that i'm going to come back to no 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 really and so we are i know yeah. you, you may have a hard time believing that and, and as a part of this giant hug that this verse is, not only is it like a <laughs> otherworldly love that God has shown to us, but he's done so by bringing us into his family. Salvation, there's a lot of different aspects of salvation that communicate different things to us. There's God's justification that even though I don't deserve it, because of the work of Jesus, I've been declared righteous. There's God's redemption mm-hmm. that in the slave market and my slavery to my sin, God has broken those chains and set me free. But the picture here is perhaps, again, the most emotionally moving, and that is the picture of adoption. Yeah. That not only has the judge declared me righteous, but he has gotten down off of the bench and said, come on, you're going home with me as my child to live in my house. Yeah. And so, uh, verse one is a, a verse filled with amazing truth that is deeply emotionally moving yeah. when we look at it. Yeah. I, boy, I resonate with what you're saying there. And as I read this passage, I, I want to jump down to verse nine. We can talk about some things in between as well, but verse nine, especially because we're talking about this kind of foreign love and, and like you said, otherworldly, that's a, mm. I, I like that phrase. This otherworldly love, it's a little bit different than the type of adoption that we generally think of. You know, you're you're adopted and you're taking on a name and you get the the benefits of being adopted into that family. But there's something more that occurs here in verse nine. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. So, there, there's something beyond just an adoption that takes place. And the word seed there is the word, the Greek word sperma. Like, this is a life-filled word. The spiritual DNA of God is transforming us from the inside out. So, it's more than an adoption. Uh we're also being transformed. Our our spiritual DNA is being transformed that we look more and more and more uh, like Christ. And that's that's why I believe here in verse 9, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, and he cannot keep on sinning 
because he has been born of God. The spiritual DNA has been mm-hmm. has been changed. It's been trans. We're being transformed, and the idea that we would purposefully continue to practice sinning mm-hmm. and look for better ways of sinning is, uh, is is against the spiritual DNA that that is making us up. I, I like know. that. Look yeah. for better ways of sinning. Yeah, right, right. Well, yeah. you know, you think of churches like Corinth. They 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 were pretty creative. <laughs> like, they're coming up with new ways to sin where I, I think, uh, and I'm projecting a little bit that perhaps Paul, when he's hearing some of this stuff, he's going, what? Are you kidding me right now? People would do, no, not in the church. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> the order here is important because the order is... God changes our spiritual DNA, and we live in righteousness rather than sin. Mm-hmm. It isn't we live in righteousness rather than sin, therefore now we can be God's children. Mm-hmm. right? God makes us his children, and that changes who we are. We don't change who we are, and then that makes us God's children. That's that's an important A vital part of the gospel. Yeah. yeah. Well, Absolutely. it is. I mean, I, I, I don't know for the two of you, but I've had dozens, perhaps even hundreds of of comments about... I just got to get my life right, and then I can, uh, you know, go to church. I can feel better about mm-hmm. God, or yeah. you know. So the the passage says that no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. We won't go into the details, but as you know, uh, I was sharing with the two of you a sin from my own life last night before we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I I have sin I can point to last night. Right, right. So, uh, is it is that disqualifying for me as a believer? Well, just as looking, a pastor, yeah. Not not that <laughs> not to make kidding. you uncomfortable, but are you trying to perfect what you did last night and do it again? <laughs> Stop it. Is that the goal? Yeah. Is it, is it? Are you trying to get better at that sin? Right. Right. No. Mm, no. no. Well, and th- as I was reading through uh, chapter three, the words that kept ringing through my head is. I keep going back to Matt's message about sex through the Proverbs or whatever, and you're talking about this battle. I think it applies to more than just sexual sin. It applies to sin in general. Like, it's a there's a battle. If, if there's no battle in existence, then is that maybe mm-hmm. perhaps evidence that the Spirit really hasn't, you know, you don't truly know Jesus. You yeah. haven't been transformed. You're not continually being mm-hmm. transformed. Right there's needs to be evidence of a battle. So, what happened maybe yesterday in any of our lives? If we try to perfect it today and and, and sin better, well, are we battling? Or right, right, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a practitioner of sin. I uh, hopefully only occasionally indulge in sin. Right. I think that's the distinction that we're making here. I'm often asked, "Are you a golfer?" <laughs> and I answer that question the same way every time. I enjoy to I enjoy golfing. I like to golf, but I'm not a golfer, mm-hmm. right? Like Brooks Kepka is a golfer. Who else? Give me a name. Tiger Woods. Sure, is a golfer. Like these these guys are practitioners of golf. I have friends right. who play three four times a week when the snow is not on the ground. These guys maybe are golfers. I'm not a golfer. I'm not a practitioner of golf. Right. Occasionally, I go out and golf. Okay, it hasn't been in the last two years. That's better than I'm doing with sin. But uh, you know, it, like <laughs> I, right. I will occasionally play golf, and I think that's the idea for the believer here. They're not a practitioner of sin, right? And to your point, I, I think sometimes we think of 
in the church world or from a theological perspective, we think in terms of like, okay, so are we talking about sinless perfection? Are we getting to that place? But I'm reminded often of Galatians 6.1, and it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And that idea of being caught like in a snare uh, is, is what happens. I mean, nobody, nobody goes out to be caught in a snare. But sometimes we get into situations where we are caught in a snare. And I think that, to your point, that that is a situation that we're in. I mean, whether that is a matter of anger, whether that is uh, a word that's mm. ill-timed or maybe even mean-spirited, that that is a moment. Mm. Uh, we're caught. Yes. We need to be set freed from that, that snare. And, and that's what Galatians 6.1 seems to be pointing us to. And even having the idea, and I, and I appreciate this part too, that there's this idea of a physician. So, for example, uh, a physician who sees a lot of sick people has to be extra careful or they too will get sick, and then they're unable mm. to take care of sick people. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's like that spiritually for us too, and there's, there's this, I, I think this humility, this holy respect that we have to have that's like, you know, um, but by the grace of God, this too could be yes. me and, yep. and, and handling sin and addressing sin in that way. That's good. Yeah, I appreciate your point in that, Matt. Let me, uh, let me take us back to the good, good news of verse one again here. Uh, we are God's children, and you don't have to wait to be God's child. Verse two says, we are God's children now. Right now, we're mm-hmm. God's children, right? If we've you don't have to die him, first. Yeah, yeah. No, we're 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 God's children right now. We have that identity. We live in His house. We are being transformed by the new nature that He has put in us—the nature of sonship that cries out, "Abba, Father." We are God's children now. But verse two says, "There's a whole lot better to come." Mm. Right? We're God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Yeah. I, I know a lot of believers who are frustrated about the limited details of what heaven is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so often what the scripture gives us mm-hmm. isn't just limited, but it tends to be heavily image-based where you're like, wait, mm-hmm. is that is that real? Or right. is that a, a picture of something that's meant to communicate something else? Like, can't, can't God just paint a clear picture of heaven right. <laughs> and just take like four books of the Bible to take care of that? And there are times where I'm like, I, I don't think that he does that because this verse gives us all that the person who loves Jesus needs to know about heaven, yeah. that we're going to be with him face to face and that we're going to be made totally and completely like him. Mm. And everything else is just details. Like, yeah. it's about being with Jesus and being made like him. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't even know that we need to care about any of the rest of it. Yeah. Verse 2 gives us the essentials. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, friends, I want to thank you for joining in. I am so encouraged by God's word and the transformative power of his spirit. And I hope you're experiencing that again today. And again, as always, don't forget to love, live, and serve like Jesus. We'll see you soon. God bless you. If you're like me, sometimes it's easy to get bogged down trying to understand heaven. And that's okay, because it's far greater than anything we've experienced. But the good news is 
that will experience it someday and that the bogged down feelings will turn to joy and wonder at how amazing God and heaven are. With that, thanks for joining in. We'll see you next time on your Friendship Church Podcast. <laughs>